On this episode of Cinema Smorgasbord Presents, we do our own stunts. We have our first appearance of the legendary Jimmy Wang Yu, as well as a rare film with Jackie Chan as a villain. It's the low-way-directed Killer Meteors from 1976. <laughs> Welcome to We Do Our Own Stunts, a chronological look at the life and work of martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me is the world's deadliest man, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Deadly on the streets, smooth as hell in the sheets. Huh? Is that can, can we can we get huh? anyone to kind of confirm that on on Mike today? You I'm think? not gonna get anyone to talk about. I'm very. I'm more than willing to joke about things, but I'm I'm a very private person when it comes to that sort of thing, and it's not out of any sort of like uh, embarrassment. You know what I mean? Like sometimes people don't want to talk about stuff because it like makes them feel squishy. It's more like. Uh, it's something special that I'm sharing with someone. I don't know why anyone else needs to be involved in it unless they're involved in it, if you know what I mean. So, like, I, I've never understood people who are like, hey, you're someone who I kind of know. Let's talk about my sex life. I'm like, why? I don't know why we're engaging in this conversation. I don't know why we're engaging in this conversation, Liam. <laughs> hey, man, on this show, Doug, I share with you how I'm feeling. And how I'm feeling is... I only want to joke about it. <laughs> <laughs> Liam is feeling particularly horned up today, apparently, which is fine. Oh, but Liam- yeah. Well, I mean, I do love the idea of Jackie Chan as a villain. That will always get me horny. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of cases of that. This is like kind of a rare thing, right? Honestly, even saying that Jackie Chan is the villain in this movie is a spoiler to a certain extent. Oh, that's true. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, uh, honestly, it, it's one of the things this movie is most well known for. Uh, honestly, there's really only two things it's particularly well known for. One is the fact that it it uh, brought Jackie Chan and Jimmy Wang Yu together for the first time, and that will become uh, a very important later in his career. But the second thing is that Jackie Chan plays a villain in this movie. And it's one of the things we'll talk about when we talk about the movie proper. But boy, every time I'm watching these low-way movies, in the back of my mind is the thought, how is this supposed to make Jackie Chan the next Bruce Lee or a martial arts superstar? Because this movie... I mean, you might say, oh, maybe he's going to be the villains in movie going forward. Well, this isn't the movie to launch him as a villain because he barely appears in it. It's it's not great. And I guess if he was the... You know, I could see in a certain kind of martial arts film, the villain having the final fight that could launch them if it was like particularly awesome. But I just don't think his scene is that particularly awesome. I mean, Wang Jiang Li uh, was notorious for playing villains in martial arts movies, including in the original Drunken Master, and he was great at that sort of thing. But, I mean, he, that's not the way that you make someone a household name, right? But uh, this movie, again, is this is a Jimmy Wang Yu movie that we're talking about, and it's not really a Jackie Chan movie, uh, but I guess that was by design. Uh, I'm just going to go back to what Jackie Chan wrote in his book, I Am Jackie Chan, his original biography from 1998. I like to, Liam, when I'm going back and researching, compare how Jackie Chan talks about movies in that book to his uh, book Never Grow Up from 2015. In Never Grow Up, this movie is just mentioned in a slew of movies he made that were unsuccessful. Thankfully, I Am Jackie Chan goes into a bit more detail. In that book, he wrote, because uh, you just remember, by the way, we uh, we covered on our last episode 
the uh, John Woo film, but that was actually a little bit out of chronology. His most recent movie before this for Lo Wei was Shaolin Wooden Men, which was filmed in South Korea, was uh, not a financial success. So from there, he says, in order to save on labor costs, uh, Lo had decided that we'd shoot our next picture in Korea. So he's back in Korea. And to boost the box office potential of the film, which was going to be called The Killer Meteors, Lo was hiring a big star to play the lead role, Jimmy Wang Yu, who had exploded into prominence with his performance in The One-Armed Swordsman. After Bruce Lee, Jimmy was maybe the next biggest actor in Hong Kong, following up One-Armed Swordsman with a bunch of other films in which he played a martial artist who'd lost one of his arms. I just love that as a, like, you find success playing a martial artist that loses an arm so that you have to find other ways to lose arms in movies because apparently that's what people want to see. Honestly, I have seen The One-Armed Swordsman uh, and it's a really great martial arts movie, uh, particularly of that era. Um, but Jimmy, Jimmy Wang Yu has never been a, a, a magnetic a performer for me. Do you have any experience with Jimmy Wang Yu in films, Liam? Um, really just The Man from Hong Kong and, as you informed me, uh, The Master <laughs> of the Flying Guillotine, which for me, Master of the Flying Guillotine... Uh, starting in college, like the very end of college, but even through grad school, when I, I moved in with uh, my friend uh, Justin McGinley, he had it on VHS, and I had just gotten a uh, VHS player, which sounds silly to talk about because people had them, but this was after people had gotten rid of theirs for DVD, and I suddenly was like, I still have some cool VHS, so I, I got this VHS player, and Justin was like, I've kept this Master of the Flying Guillotine VHS just for sh like shits and giggles, not because I mm -hmm. ever expected to actually watch it, but I have it. Do you want to watch it? And I was like, yeah, man, and it became a regular thing that we would be like, pop in the Master of the Flying Guillotine. Like, it just became <laughs> like a thing we did, and I just, I fucking love that movie, but for some reason I didn't realize he was in it. It just like slipped my mind that he was in that movie well i mean that's that kind of goes back to what i think about jimmy wang Yu is that even though he was a martial arts superstar i don't think he has the kind of presence in a movie that makes him kind of the center of it one of the things about master of the flying guillotine that's so interesting is that it's so wacky right there's so much really bizarre stuff happening in it with like extending limbs and of course the 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 weapon itself uh, and this movie has a lot of that as well, but I sometimes feel like it's all meant to distract from the fact that Jimmy Wang Yu is just this blank slate uh, on screen. Now, you mentioned uh, The Man from Hong Kong, Liam, which was uh, an attempt, I guess, to make him more of an international superstar. That was an Australian-made uh, action movie directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. Quite notoriously, on that set, he was very disliked, and he has a reputation for being a bit of an asshole. I always worry when it comes to movies that are made outside of Asia, and martial arts movies in particular that time period, that some of that might be a racially based in terms of why people think that he's uh, a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of stories from the from that set. Uh, some of them are mentioned in the Not Quite Hollywood documentary about his behavior. It does sound like he was intentionally trying to be unpleasant. I think that's fair. I also think that um, being a non-white actor trying to make it as a star is always fraught. And I think especially, you know, a lot of that movie was filmed in Australia, right? And so right. Uh, I don't know. It seems like at the time Australia was a hostile environment towards uh, their uh, Asian neighbors. So I don't know. It's hard to know. Again, the things that people describe him doing, they sound like dick moves. But, you know, also, to what extent were those moves not out of a sense of ego, which people would assume, but out of a sense of, like, I don't know, 
self-preservation? I don't know. I, I I don't feel qualified to judge, though I would say if if I was one of those people on set, I might also have a judgment of him if I didn't re- if I didn't see anything more than that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I read a book once called The Ultimate Guide to Martial Arts Movies of the 70s by a guy named Dr. Craig D. Reed. And the author of that book was friends with Jimmy Wang Yu. And one of the things he tried to do within, I mean, they were just kind of capsule summaries of a lot of these different martial arts movies, was he was trying to set the record straight that Jimmy Wang Yu wasn't such a bad guy. That said, you could even go to his Wikipedia page. He, you know, he he caught his wife cheating and he brought all the media with him just to shame her. I mean, he, he did a lot. He's done a lot of things that do not reflect well on himself throughout his career. Uh, and, and I think that he probably developed a very large ego, which you would when you are a ma- massive martial arts superstar. So it's it's a little hard to kind of discern the truth. But one thing we do know, because it's sort of in the public record at this point, is that he had connections to the Chinese underworld, the triads. Uh, and that is something we're going to talk about later when uh, when it comes to the end of Jackie Chan's career with Lo Wei, because uh, Jimmy Wang Yu will become very important in his life regarding getting out of his contract. But this is what uh, Jackie has to say about Jimmy at the time. Jimmy was a decent guy, but he had been a star for years, and to him I was just a kid. I hardly got the opportunity to get to know him, despite our weeks together in Korea. The only thing I did find out about him was that he was making a lot more money than I was. Uh, 50000 Hong Kong dollars compared to the 12000 I was earning to be both an actor and the stunt coordinator. I didn't begrudge him his salary. After all, he was a big man. Besides, later on, Jimmy would enter my life again, and I'd end up owing him my life. Compared to that, what's a few thousand Hong Kong dollars? So this is a, <laughs> this is again a meeting of a current Hong Kong superstar on his way down, and one on uh, that's on the ascendant, though he might not even be fully aware of it at the time, which makes the killer meteors very interesting. But as we kind of have already referred to, this is a Jimmy Wang Yu movie. He is the star of this movie. He is playing really a Bruce Lee-ish role in the sense that he's playing an almost impossible badass. Unless he's ganged up on and trapped, nobody can compete with his martial arts prowess in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very, I mean, that's the thing, right, is that, like, it would be different if the world that he's competing in is a world of egos anyway. Like, before Jackie Chan brings in this uh, goofy hero that he sort of... Uh, kind of creates the model for um if you're gonna be a star in this world you're gonna have an ego right it's not like bruce lee was known for his humility Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so like honestly i mean that's an actually very interesting point liam because you know one of the the major criticisms of quentin tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood was how bruce lee was presented in that movie but and and i can see why there would be some 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 complex feelings around it but one of the things i liked about it was it showed a side of bruce lee that is almost never presented why wouldn't he have an ego of course he has an ego but he's presented more as kind of this zen master because that's how he's presented in a lot of movies and i don't think that reflects how a human being actually is well but i think too i i I think there's a difference right in that um for tarantino's presentation there is a sense in which it's more than just an ego. It's an ego that's like couldn't possibly back it up, right? But what set Bruce Lee apart at all of these martial arts things where he's boasting about himself is that all of the boasting was to get people to come and allow him to show how good he was. And then he always backed it up. And I think yeah. that's why it was like people, a Muhammad Ali type thing. Right. That's why I think, and, and to be fair, uh, a little bit not because. Muhammad Ali did occasionally lose. It was rare, but he didn't win every fight. 
it doesn't seem like that happened to Bruce Lee very much. Now, granted, these are very specific environments, and some of these things weren't fights, you know? But when he was demonstrating his close-up punch, and he's knocking the guy across the ring with, like, a punch from an inch away, that's not a fight per se. But he is backing up what he said, like, here's a big white man who thinks I can't punch him hard. I'm going to punch him, and look, he just went back a foot. Like, I, how do you I, not I, have I, a feel about that? I hate, I hate to say this, Liam, but I yeah. find some of, of the tales about Bruce Lee's skill rather dubious. I've seen the one-inch punch things. The, these are demonstrations, right? These right. are things meant to look, make him look like the Chinese Superman and, and very effective ones. And again, not to say that his martial arts skill wasn't effective, but it's also like this is one of those things that it, it's one of those kind of illusion breakers. If Bruce Lee was alive today, you know, it, would he be a UFC superstar or would he be like a legendary guy who – whose skills are, are of that time period, right? Uh, I mean, he was a very small man. It, it, there's no reason to think that someone who was 6'5 wouldn't beat the shit out of him simply by using his size against him. Of course, then he, he, he manages to make uh, his fight against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar make it look like that, that he could still take down someone of that size. I mean, I think, you're, I, I think thinking of him as a Superman is probably unfair, but I do... My experience, Doug, as you know, I'm a pacifist. I don't get into fights. However, <laughs> however, I did spend the years 1994 to 2002 watching other people fight. And as far as I'm concerned, unless you can grip someone up, size could not matter less. This whole idea that, like, I'm large, therefore I win at the fight has been proven wrong to me time and time again. That is something big people tell themselves so they feel tough. In uh, reality, say, okay. the toughest person... The toughest person wins the fight, and often that's not the big guy. Big guys suck. They're stupid. They don't know. They don't move fast enough, and they I don't know. I feel like you're sending to a message tough. towards me right now, Liam. I'm I'm removing my emotion and personal feelings aside from it. I watch a lot of mixed martial arts. I can tell you that the reason that there are weight categories now compared to the early days of UFC is that though there were a couple of examples where a big, sweaty, large guy would get his ass kicked by a small guy. The fact is when when at similar skill levels, the larger guy, if he's by 100 pounds, will always beat the smaller guy. Oh, no, but this is the issue, Doug. Only big UFC guys do any training to get tough. Normal big guys don't train. They assume they don't have to because they're big. In any fight, talk I'm not to suggesting, anyone. I'm not talk suggesting to Bruce Lee is just going to beat is the, up some fat guy. But this is the issue. Brad Pitt's character is a drunk loser who could Oh, I'm not talking about that movie anymore. But I'm that's where, that is what we're talking about, though. So you have to take it into context. The reason it doesn't work is because that dude sucks and he couldn't win a fight with a just a dude off the street, let alone Bruce Lee. And so my, I think that's why it's an issue. The idea that, like, if someone trained as hard as Bruce Lee but was, like, three feet taller than him, yeah, that guy would probably win, actually. That makes sense. But I think the the, the hidden truth is that um, in any fight – I mean, this is just a universal rule. If you're a small guy in a fight, you always go for the biggest other guy because the chances are that dude sucks and he doesn't know what he's doing. So you go for that guy because this person who's your size and is willing to fight you, that guy probably is good at a fight and you want to avoid getting your ass kicked. Like that's just like that's just like how it is, man. Now again, this just comes from friends of mine who fight. I don't I wouldn't know. As soon as someone swings at me, I run away because I don't get into fights because I'm a pacifist. But I, I think this whole like the the thing about size is it, it, you have to learn to work with your size. You have to learn how to move it quickly. And I think a lot of people just don't bother 
to do that because they just figure like I'm a big dude, I'll just crush whoever it is. Anyway, back to Jimmy Wang Yu, the performer. <laughs> uh, a lot of again, a lot of uh, negative stories about him, and it, he does have those connections to the Chinese underworld that are going to be very important to Jackie Chan's career going forward. Let's talk a little bit before we get into the nitty gritty about the killer meteors, Liam. Did this movie <laughs> surprise you? Did it match your expectations? This is a movie that you did not have much familiarity with previously, uh, but it's a very odd one. It is strange. I, I Don't get me wrong. I went in expecting it to be a little strange. I was thinking something along the lines of like, you know, like Five Elements Ninja or, sure. you know, these movies where, the, you know, there are a ton of martial arts movies where the person learns a new technique. And I'm sure if I knew about martial arts techniques, I would say, well, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? But not knowing about that stuff, to me, those are realistic movies. Everyone fights this way. I learned to fight this other way. It works. Then there are the movies where everyone has a new weapon. You know, like, right. mm-hmm. oh, you have the hook sword. I have the triple hook sword. And it's like, well, now that there's a triple hook, he's invincible. We can't possibly win. But then <laughs> then there are movies like this where, like, most of the movie, we don't even see what the fuck this dude has. He's so tough. He only brings out his weapon when it's time to kill. And yeah. the level of ridiculous, I mean, you know, I would say comic booky. only I'm pretty sure a lot of comic books borrowed from these movies more than <laughs> these movies borrowed from comic books. But you know what I mean? Like that level of ridiculousness. And I, I love that. I will say sometimes those movies, even as ridiculous and strange as they are, they still have a script uh, and characters and like motivation. And this movie is a little light on those things, <laughs> on the things that if people weren't trying to kill each other in a very amusing fashion, I would then judge this movie for its lack of other elements. But because I just have a soft spot for this kind of movie, again, I'm not putting this necessarily on my you know favorites of, of, of 1976 list, but um, I was amused the whole time. I really thought it was fun to watch. Another thing that kind of separates this movie from the Jackie Chan movies we've been watching so far is that this is a movie that fits more into a wuxia category. It's kind of a fantasy uh, that that li- exists in a heightened reality. There's a lot of kind of seventies ish wire work on display, as opposed to the um, the the kind of, of of choreography that we've seen in films so far. Even though Jackie Chan choreographed this movie as well, and those are the kind of movies that I think. Um, Jimmy Wang Yu was most well known for at this time period. So it's kind of a meeting of, of a really kind of disparate styles, but it also seems like Lo Wei, he's, this is well different from New Fist of Fury. This is him trying to kind of capture lightning in a bottle once again. Let's talk about if he succeeds after this break. Your secrets. Why did you have to tell me? I'm a tidy man. Don't like loose ends. And since the others are all dead, and you're the investigating agent here. I thought you should know the truth before you went off to your coffin. Huh. Well, now, not so simple. Well, I've had the chance to see you fight, and I know that you've used up your meteor. And I think I can kill you easily now. All right, then. But there's something you should know. Well, I do know where I intend to bury you. So save your breath. You're going to need it all very shortly. I promise. Right. But still, we'll see whose burial ground this will be. 
Mi Wei is a local hero named Killer Meteor after his secret weapon, which makes him invincible. However, when immortal Wa Wu Bin, another powerful local character, seeks his assistance, Killer Meteor will face the greatest and the deadliest challenge of his life. It's the Killer Meteors for 1976, also sometimes uh, credited from 1977. It's also uh, known as uh, Just Killer Meteor. As well, in some places, it's known as Jackie Chan versus Wang Yu. You can tell at some point Jackie Chan's uh, profile was high enough that just uh, putting these two martial arts superstars against one another was enough to sell the movie. Uh, this is how Jackie Chan describes it uh, in the summary section of his book. I play the villain in this film, an evil warrior named Immortal Meteor who terrorizes a small town. That's not actually true in the context of, of what we saw. As in American Westerns, this means that I eventually go head-to-head -head with the good guy, Killer Weapon, played by Jimmy Wang Yu, who was a big star back then. Even though Killer Meteors was made in 1976, it would be two years before it was actually released. I wish it had never been released at all. Uh, Jackie Chan does say it took two years for it to be released. According to the IMDb, it was released in Hong Kong on the 21st of August, 1976. Uh, and this is, uh, and I, I don't want to get into it in too much detail, but we have discussed it on previous episodes. This is the first film after Jackie Chan had his eyelid surgery um, that that it changed his look pretty significantly. Even though he's playing the villain and has kind of a, an odd look in this movie anyway, he does look a little bit more like the Jackie Chan that we are familiar with. And would you say that uh, that's correct? Yeah, definitely. It's it it was noticeable, but it it wasn't like I thought about it much, you know. Right, a hundred percent. This was, of course, directed by Lo Wei. Uh, Jackie Chan is still within the contract with Lo Wei, who was trying to turn him into a martial arts superstar, and written by Long Gu, who's a well-known uh, wuxia novelist, actually, uh, and also uh, wrote a ton of different martial arts movies, including for the Shaw Brothers. Uh, it's interesting that we have a novelist on display, because one of the things that's notable about this movie is that its plot is so complex in terms of the twists and turns, particularly in the last half hour, that it it's actually gets to be almost funny. <laughs> but I'm not sure that a lot of those uh, a lot of those twists and turns necessarily make sense. We mentioned already Jimmy Wang Yu stars in this film. Philip Ko as well shows up. Tung Lam. Uh, a lot of recognizable faces, but the ones that I think people are here to talk about are, or here to listen about are Jimmy Wang Yu and Jackie Chan. Liam, what did you think of Killer Meteors? I mean, on a on a pure plot level, this movie is just a giant mess. Where it's like we get a bunch of characters, we get a central figure who is just like this almost like divinity of power who's being asked to help other people for no real reason. Yeah. Um, everything is sort of concealed. Turns out he's a fucking cop, which you just don't see coming. But then when it's revealed, it doesn't seem to affect much. He still has a whole like team of super friends which you don't quite understand why they're his super friends <laughs> um and then it's like there's three different there's like three or four different double crosses and it's not clear why and i don't know it, it, it if you're invested in this thing for the plot and for the emotional investment especially when he is reunited with his wife who is also a villain maybe uh <laughs> None of that rings out. It's 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 just not a reason to watch the movie. But if you would like, um, if you like it more on a melodrama level, like I want some fun, ridiculous fighting with a bunch of melodrama sprinkled over top, then it really works. Like for me, once I gave up having it make sense, and I just embraced it as like um, uh, what was happening between the fighting. I don't know. I got kind of into it. It's it's it's. I wouldn't say it's the best example of that. I'm sure we can all name 
some of these uh, martial arts films that go so over the top that eventually you're just like, I, things are just happening. I don't know why they're happening. Um, <laughs> it's not quite that much, but it certainly, for me, wasn't distracting. I wasn't like, well, I, I can't get into this. I, I was just really enjoying it, you know? I'm going to try to go through the plot just quickly uh, because I don't feel like the plot summary at the beginning made enough sense. Uh, but just, I want you to correct me if I get anything wrong, Liam. So Jimmy Wang Yu plays a character called Mei Jinghe. He is a notorious hero, I guess you would say. People come to him and give him tribute. Like he is notorious as someone who is a badass. He also has this weapon that we never see called the Killer Meteor that is supposed to kill anyone that sees it. He is <laughs> told by another martial arts, I guess a well-known master, about uh, a other master that he is now working for that the that this other chinese uh martial arts master uh this other guy saved his life now he's working for him that's jackie chan's character hua wu bin hua has been poisoned by his wife and we find out that they have a very volatile relationship where his wife poisons him and she has an antidote so hua has been poisoned by his wife he's hired jimmy wang yu's character to get the antidote I don't know why Jimmy Wang Yu agrees to this. There doesn't seem to be any reward. He says, he's asked about why he's doing it, and he, he says that he's doing it specifically because he wants to, which I guess if you're a big hero, that's the kind of thing that sometimes happens. As you mentioned, we find out then that he's actually an undercover cop, and he's working for uh, a guy who's been trying to uh, capture Jackie Chan's character for years, so they're using this as a way to capture him. I don't know why you would help him, because why wouldn't you just let him die then at that point? Because he's been poisoned, but I guess that's not how they operate. Oh, they think he might have stolen the Imperial jewels or something, but they right. don't have proof. So they're looking for proof. So that then leads to the more complex aspects of the movie where... Jimmy Wang Yu, along with this uh, group of people that are kind of his underlings, uh, who are introduced to at the beginning of the movie, but we don't know are actually connected to him, they manage to steal the antidote and bring it to Hua, who it's in this box, and he opens the box and throws the antidote in the, gar in the fire because he's like, this isn't the real one. There's actually a secret chamber. He opens the secret chamber, drinks that antidote, and it kills him. <laughs> the wife is also killed. But here's where then the series of twists happen. A, the wife is not dead. B, Hua is not dead. C, the person, the, the police captain, I guess you would say, who has hired Jimmy Wang Yu, he's actually a bad guy. <laughs> and he, he has been orchestrating the whole thing. Also, then we find out that he has been working with Jackie Chan's character, even though that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and then... Uh, the meteor is used against the police captain, and then we have a one-on-one -on -one fight as we've been waiting the whole movie for between Jimmy Wang Yu and Jackie Chan on a, a series of polls. We find out what the killer meteor is, and everything wraps up very neatly. Is that mostly what happens in this movie, Liam? You forgot something important, which yes. is that... Which is that um, the daughter of the police captain. Yeah, the killer meteor's lady friend is actually Hua's lady friend in yeah. disguise. I think that's right. <laughs> and apparently, I guess the thing where they've been working together is the police chief is trying to manipulate Killer Meteor to kill Immortal Meteor. What is his like nickname? Like he's some I, I, Devil Meteor. Yeah, I don't it's something know. like that. It doesn't matter. Just he's, say Jackie to kill, Chan. To kill Jackie Chan, it turns out, because they stole the jewels together. 
but the police guy has been keeping the jewels and not sharing them with Jackie Chan. And Jackie Chan's <laughs> wife, who is also Killer Meteor's wife, tried to poison him, but he never took the poison anyway. And he, <laughs> he was faked, never poisoned. He faked his death, which here's the part that doesn't work, y'all. The death that they fake involves melting skin. <laughs> yeah. So how melt. do you fake your skin melting? I don't know. His, his description, because he also sets his house on fire at the same time. The idea is like, you never saw me melt because I set my house on fire. It's like, we saw it, man. We saw you melt in front of our face. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really confusing movie, but you kind of got to just go with it. Uh, you it, it also does... forgot the fart where they figure out that the wife is not dead because yes. they figured out there was a secret container with the <laughs> antidote. They just didn't give Hua the right <laughs> antidote. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Also, we didn't mention that the uh, that Jackie Chan's wife, who has the antidote, if that is what you believe, she has a series of lovers, and all of them have kind of superpowers. One of them can like uh, use the kind of a force power to bring people towards him. One can, I guess, push people away. Anyway, just all sorts of stuff. And they show off those powers by killing a bunch of birds and then like frying them and eating them. One of them claims to be a ghost. Yes. And his power is that he's real clever. And then when <laughs> when uh, he's threatened by Killer Meteor, he's just like, "Nah, I'm good. I don't. I can't do nothing. I'm fine." Like it's a pretty clever, a pretty clever response compared to seeing his three friends murdered right in front of him. By the way, murdered without the use of the Killer Meteor. Oh yeah, he doesn't need the Killer Meteor for these guys. <laughs> um, but they're supposed to be formidable, I guess. I don't know. It's that whole section was so ridiculous. Also, Killer Meteor has his own team of friends, right? But yeah. we don't really see them interact. You notice they didn't interact till they showed up to like help him. Like he interacted only with the Iron Fist guy, who gives him the pearl so he doesn't kill him for another year. Which, by the way, if he's actually a cop, why does he have death warrants out on people? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if he's undercover, he's so undercover that this guy has to give him something nice every year. He's going to murder him. What is going on with in this in this particular Imperial Police Department? We're introduced to these four underlings in the opening scene where they're all trying to steal this pearl. And it's like this comical scene where, like, one guy is stealing it and then he's stopped by another one of them. And then another one of them stops that guy with a whip. And, like, we get to kind of get an ex- – it's kind of fun. It's it's They all have their own kind of skills. But we don't find out that they all – are his underlings until later on where they just show up and suddenly they're all working together. At that point, it seemed like they were all enemies. I was also confused because I thought that the guy who got away with the pearl in the opening scene was like the swift thief guy, but he's not the guy who brings the pearl to Jimmy Wang Yu. I thought Uh, Iron Fist got the pearl. How did he get it at the end? I thought that they, he thought he was about to get it, but then the, the thief guy was like, aha, you don't have it at all. I, I have it. Oh wait, or does he get, I can't remember what happens. It's very confusing. My memory of it is is a little whacked out at this point. That whole beginning. No, yeah, because he gets the box and it's not in the box. Yeah, that's right. It, it sets up that this movie is going to have a lot whoever of ends up, Whoever ends up with the pearl doesn't come back into the movie. Yes. Because that's the guy who's like, okay, here's the pearl, Killer Meteor. Now don't murder me for another year. And Killer Meteor is like, it's a pretty good pearl. But then also, when the other guy shows up, <laughs> why does he destroy the pearl? And then he goes, it's cool. I got a fuck ton more pearls. Yeah, that's right. I just have a pocket full of pearls. That whole interact when that when the guys, you have to understand, we're describing these red herring, double cross, whatever stuff at the end is the confusing part. 
the whole first 15 minutes of this movie don't make a lick of fucking sense. Yeah. So I think in that sense, maybe what I want to say in, in reviewing the movie is like they kind of set you up right away to be like, who knows what the fuck is happening here? And so when things get weird at the end of the movie, it's almost like, you know, we've been a little too coherent for a while. It's actually good we got weird again because now it kind of fits with the beginning of the movie where like who knows what the fuck is happening. Also, they absolutely telegraphed that the uh, police chief guy is going to be a villain because we see him kill someone uh, who did nothing wrong earlier in the movie. So we know he's not a good guy. So there's not the twists and turns are both absolutely batshit and also predictable in some ways. Well, yeah, when when uh, Hua the Hardy uh, is turns out to be a villain, you know, our, our man Jackie turns out to be a villain and you're like, oh, it's a spoiler. I'm like, yeah, but like from the moment you see him, you're like, well, I don't trust that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, even in that opening scene where he's supposed to be poisoned, he still fights Jimmy Wang Yu for a few minutes. And actually, I think that might be the best action in the entire movie when they have their one-on-one in that little bit. Uh, it does seem that Jimmy Wang Yu is doubled for a lot of it, for a lot of the acrobatics. But that that feels like a real... A real fight. A lot of the rest of the movie is kind of uh, a lot of um, bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors to to get through some of the fights. I think this is my experience is that in these movies from this time, if you're going to have a very weapons heavy fight, you Mm -hmm. have to be very good. And on a movie like this, there's a lot of like not seeing actual weapon contact because they're not. They're just sort of like. It's just sort of noise in the background, you know, like like, for example, the ghost guy with the whip. Right. We just see him use the whip like once uh, where someone responds and then we just see him whipping. We have no idea what's (laughs) happening. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of I I would actually say some of the action sequences in this movie feel very American to me because they're very Mm. cutaway. They're very let's not actually have anyone get, you know, hurt. You know what I mean? And, And 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 and. That's fine. It was still amusing. But I wonder what a movie that's this ridiculous would be like with a choreographer that was more interested in giving us the, you know, the mid-camera, like, full shot. You know, like, you almost never in this movie get a shot of two guys just doing the thing. There's a lot of cuts. There's a lot of, like, uh, close-ups. There's a lot of, like, tricks to make you think things are happening when nothing is happening. It's... It's something that I uh, sometimes struggle with when it comes to 70s kung fu movies where you have this distinction between some superstars who I really enjoy watching their action scenes because of their martial arts prowess or I guess their performance prowess like Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung but also like the the whole slew of people at Shaw Brothers. There's just a, a lot of bunch a bunch of different names but then there's performers like uh, Carter Wong and Bolo Young and, and, and Jimmy Wang Yu who it seems like they are more... The, the the more important thing is their charisma and their maybe their acting skill let's say and their martial arts is kind of secondary to it so you know I don't watch a, a Jimmy Wang Yu movie because I think I'm going to get a lot of great kung fu action and in fact this movie there's long periods of it which has no action at all um, or if the action is on screen it's more the, this kind of supernatural powerish based one um, while when I watch a Jackie Chan movie I'm usually in it kind of primarily for the kung fu. I mean, but do you really find Jimmy Wang Yu that charming? No, I don't. But I feel like I'm missing something in terms of his charisma. I like the fact that I think the fact that he's a very stoic and his face doesn't show much emotion. That's part of his deal because he's so aloof in this movie. Like it's even hard to consider him a good guy. He's just a good guy by 
uh, by the scenario, right? In, in a different circumstance, he might just kill a bunch of innocent people. It doesn't seem like he has any morality on on display. Well, I think the movie is meant to suggest that that's not real, that that's all a performance. Yeah, only like, but he is a cop. <laughs> well, well, yeah, true, true, true. But by the <laughs> end, but by the end, his primary person that he works for turns out to be an untrustworthy villain anyway. So there's a sense in which like is the performance of the killer meteor more who he is than the underground you know what i mean like right he's more the killer meteor than he is the to be fair we keep saying cop because they say undercover yeah i think it'd be more accurate to say he's an imperial agent because this is this is not set you know there's a time period in hong kong movies that I think represents actual China, where mm. there were police officers. You know what I mean? Like, they were different in some ways, but they were like detectives, you know? He's not that. He's more like an informant for the uh, the emperor than he yeah. is like a traditional cop, you know? Uh, but that being said, he functions like a cop. He's a cop. But but I, I think it's worth making that distinction because there are kung fu movies where there are cops. So it's like worth, you know, delineating. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I also want to mention the, something I did like about this movie, which is that after Jackie Chan's character has been defeated, there's one more scene where we see Jimmy Wang Yu and he encounters that guy who basically brought him to Jackie Chan, the the other the first martial arts uh, master who who visited him, and his what he says to him is like, "Do you want to fight me too?" Because everyone has turned on him at this point and has ended up being a villain. But the guy's like, "Nope, I just wanted to show you that the the person you thought was the wife of Jackie Chan's character, she is still alive, and I guess she's not evil anymore. <laughs> so." You can go marry her, and then it ends with a slow motion of them running towards one another. I mean, one hundred percent, the romantic <laughs> aspects of this movie are the most confusing. In a movie where a man makes a spiked ball fly at people and explode using, I don't know, momentum. Like it's not really, or he pulls a meteor down from the sky. Like there's a lot of ridiculous uh, things that happen in this movie, and the romance aspect is the least believable. Okay, it's time now to talk about the weapon, the killer meteor weapon. This movie has a major MacGuffin at its core, which is that everyone talks about this special weapon that Jimmy Wang Yu has, and it's the killer meteor, and we are told that the only people who see it die, and we're waiting the entire movie, and finally he gets into the fight where he's going to reveal it. He carries it on his back, and you've already referred to it, Liam. What is it? What's the killer meteor? Well, he's got this like pole with spiked <laughs> balls on the end and uh-huh. using momentum, like swinging it around and he making it He spins it around in his hand, yep. Yeah, he can make it fly off and hit someone and explode and then kill them instantly. It's, yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. It kind of, it, it, it kind of throws out with the chain like the flying guillotine does, actually. Except it hits the person and then explodes. <laughs> and but we are told because after that battle, then Jackie Chan's character reveals himself to still be alive, and he's like, "Ha ha! You've used your killer meteor. Now you can't use it again." And that's when they have their fight on the poles. Which, I, by the way, I love those kind of things. There's a fight in the uh, Iron Monkey, uh, which takes place on poles like that. That's very kind of wire based, but it's very impressive. Th- this one isn't as much fun, but I still love the fact that somehow, even though they're on a bunch of poles that there's still a trap that allows Jackie Chan to lock down Jimmy Wang Yu's feet on these poles. Uh, But what happens there? We find out that there's actually a secondary killer meteor. Yeah, can you explain that to me? Because I found it confusing. (laughs) So 
So what we discover is maybe that either that first killer meteor, the pole with the, the balls on it, either that was just a, a happens to be a powerful weapon that is not the killer meteor, or it's somehow tied into this ability that J- Jimmy Wang Yu has. He says, oh, I have another killer meteor or something along those lines. And he apparently summons a meteor from the sky, which then <laughs> hits Jackie Chan and it bursts into flames, killing him. That appears to be what happens in this movie. This is a weird fucking movie, man. It's a very strange movie, but within that strangeness, it somehow makes it more entertaining, I think. But you very much have to go with the idea that a lot of it isn't going to make sense. And this isn't, by the way, people listening, this isn't one of those, oh, I think this is a cultural thing, that's why it doesn't make sense. I do think there are cultural aspects that we are not necessarily glomming onto, but I do think that there's just a lot of this that just doesn't fucking make sense. I... Yeah, and that sounds like I'm judging it, and I'm not trying to... I don't think either one of us are saying, like, and therefore this is some bullshit. If this is, at least for me, I don't know how you feel. This is a very fun movie. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with this. But it doesn't make sense, though. Like, we just need to own, this shit don't make no sense. It's very <laughs> weird. Um, Liam, did, were there any particular action moments in the movie that you did enjoy, kind of separate from the plot itself? I mean, I think you're right. That first, um, that first fight between Jackie Chan, but basically between uh, Huang the Hardy and mm-hmm. Killer Meteor, mm-hmm. is a lot of fun because it's the one of the few like close up kung fu jams. You know, where it's two people going at each other in sort of close quarters, doing some interesting flips and stuff. It, it, it was it was pretty exciting. I like that a lot. So it's not really f- much fighting, but the badassery of how he kills those weirdos that serve uh what a, what a lady whatever her name is yeah um, the, the wife of, of yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Jan's character. that was that was fun even though it wasn't like very exciting action it was believably badass we were like yeah that's right you know what i mean like i, I love that they're set up it's like these i don't know if you're going to be able to uh, get to her because she's protected by these four very powerful people and then we sh- they show the skills it's like wow they're real bad he beats them so easily like he doesn't even there's not even a sense that he's going to lose in any of these they're not even like fights they're just him reversing their skills against them and killing them immediately it was so good <laughs> um, but other than that no i mean i i you know a lot of these movies uh have a climax fight, right? Like, and we're given two: him against uh, the the uh, police or whatever, whatever that dude, the the imperial dude, and yeah. him against Jackie Chan. And both of them were kind of like a dud. Like they weren't terrible, but they were just kind of like more about the special effects of it all than they were actual fighting. And his friends are back fighting. His super friends are back fighting in the cage, <laughs> but we don't get enough of that to really appreciate it, even though those guys are interesting. I will say there is a little bit of fighting when they steal the fake antidote the first time. Right. There was a little moment of the giant guy. I don't know. They call him like a god, like strong yeah. god or something. Mm-hmm. He was so stiff and awkward that <laughs> yes. watching the guys try to pretend to fight him was magic it was the opposite of what you want in a martial arts movie but i still loved it it made me so happy this wasn't action based but i also loved when they were stealing the antidote 
like before uh, before anything else like there's all these traps involved and each one of them have to use their skills in order to get through another part of the trap i really love that sort of stuff as well if it, it there's a part of me that thinks this movie would be much better if it was just about these kind of four characters the four that the that the wife has protecting her versus these four kind of weirdos that are are thieves that are working together and then you remove the jimmy wang Yu and jackie chan part of it all together uh that would make for a much more entertaining movie i do want to talk about the idea that uh, i think we've mentioned this in one of our other movies liam do you think this would be a better movie if Jackie Chan was playing the lead role and Jimmy Wang Yu was playing the the villain that was poisoned instead, it seems like they're better suited for those roles. I don't know because the killer meteor as played by Jimmy Wang Yu is not something I want Jackie Chan to do. Yeah. I have to be a different character for sure. If we spent more time with the goofy sidekicks, Jackie Chan could kill it as one of those goofy sidekicks. Yeah. Not the big guy, obviously, but one of the other ones. I think he'd sure. be great. But Jimmy Wang Yu's character in this, the killer meteor, is so self-serious. He's just like, I can do whatever. It's it's actually kind of weird because he his whole vibe is I can do whatever I want because no one can beat me. Except for this section in the middle where everyone seems to be able to beat me for a little <laughs> bit. Uh, and so, uh, I don't know. I, I think Jackie Chan could do it and it would be fine. But I don't think the role, there's enough there. Plus... I think his villain character, he's not given much to do. Right. I don't know that Jimmy Wang Yu would bring much to that role either. I kind of feel like Jimmy Wang Yu is a bit of a dead spot in this movie. Yeah. Wherever you would put him, I don't think he would be great. So let's talk about Jackie Chan in this movie in a little more detail. So Jackie, as we've mentioned, he plays the villain in this movie. The thing about this villainous character, though, is that because he is not fully revealed to be a villain until like the few full the, the last few minutes it's not like we're getting like a mustache twirling like villainous performance from jackie chan he's just a character that's in the background for most of the movie and then shows up at the end to show that he's a villain it still is a little i don't know if disconcerting is the right word but it's very odd to see jackie chan playing this sort of role how do you think he does uh as a villain i mean unfortunately he just looks mildly menacing until the yeah. end of the movie when it's fully revealed that he is a villain. Everything he does up to there is like any no-name actor could do. He just, other than the fighting, which is pretty cool, like we said, that's our favorite fight in the film. Other than that, he just isn't given much to do to be a character. And then at the end, with the big reveal, I don't know, I guess he's fine. I mean, he's supposed to be sort of like, Turns out I'm the best. I win. You know, I, I manipulated everyone. I'm good. I guess he's okay at that, but it's not, it's certainly not a memorable performance in a way where you're like, clearly this man is going to be an international superstar. <laughs> it's one of the things we're struggling with at, right? And it's so, it's so odd to me because I have seen the breakout roles, right? I've seen Snake and the Eagle's Shadow. I've seen Drunken Master. And those movies are so what I think of when I think of Jackie Chan that it's been really fascinating to go through these aborted, tep, att aborted attempts at getting him into a different kind of archetype, right? This is not a role that 
anyone would see Jackie Chan playing because it's not a Jackie Chan role. But at this point in history, there was no quote unquote Jackie Chan role. So it's just him playing a role in a martial arts movie. Now we're we're thankfully away from the early days of this podcast where he was playing these bit roles and just would appear for a few scenes. He's still a, a major player in this movie, but it's still just unusual that he has to take a back seat to Jimmy Wang Yu, who at this point was a major superstar while Jackie Chan was just a guy that they were trying to launch. It's just still so strange to me to think that this is what they thought was going to get people to think Jackie Chan is the guy, right? He is the guy that uh, that can be the lead in your Kung Fu movie and make a lot of money at it. Yeah. I I don't... I, I don't... This is the sort of movie where if someone tells me they've seen this, I assume they're either like a deep cut Kung Fu person or maybe a Jackie Chan completist. Yeah, exactly. I, I guess you could be a Jimmy Wong Yu completist. I mean, there I've are a never... lot of people who love him. I know Quentin Tarantino loves Jimmy Wang Yu. I don't get that. I, again, it sounds like I'm being really harsh on him. I don't mind him in The Man from Hong Kong. I think that's a fun movie. Uh, I certainly like uh, Master of the Flying Guillotine, but he just doesn't stick out for me in a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's never been... I would never say, like, oh, he sucked in this, but I, I don't know. It's it's it's. I don't get the where he makes a strong impression. The funny thing is, of course, the, the Jimmy Wang Yu movies we've discussed here, The Man from Hong Kong, The Flying Guillotine, and this film, you like all three of those movies, but it seems like, and I agree with you, that you almost like them despite him, not because of him. Right. Well, and I think despite makes it sound more negative. He just doesn't matter. It's like a... Because I'm someone who doesn't get that soap taste, I have no feelings about cilantro. Right. It doesn't matter to me. I've never eaten something and say, oh, thank God there was cilantro in this or else this would have sucked. But I'm also not disgusted by – it doesn't bum me out either. And so, like, for him, he's very competent. I don't think he's bad. But the idea that, like, well, what carries him is his charisma since he's not doing a lot of actual fighting himself. There's stunt people standing in for him. I'm really surprised at that because I'm like, I don't find him that charismatic. I just find him sufficient, you know? It's, it, are these the kind of martial arts movies that you prefer? Ones that are a little bit flashier with with a lot of kind of oddness, or do you prefer uh, the more heroic bloodshed type Shaw Brothers ones, or do you prefer like the kind of very simplistic Golden Harvest ones where the plots usually don't take a lot of twists and turns? It's just very much about a person getting beaten down then having to train their way into defeating a villain. I think of this era, I'm more of a Shaw Brothers person though i don't mind the golden harvest ones mm-hmm. i think for me with these these wuxia sort of vibes the special effects aren't there i am right. sold on wuxia movies when we're doing truly impressive wire work and we can bring in like computer effects you know what right. i mean like mm-hmm. then i'm into it then that's fun it's it's whatever but if i had to choose like if you want me to choose in a modern context between a modern wuxia movie and a movie about like uh gangsters in the underground trying to chop each other with axes give me the axe you know what i mean like i i yeah. much prefer like a like a rough and tumble bloody movie and i think that the shaw brothers movies even though they're far more melodramatic than those movies they have the most in common with them because it is like a more down-to-earth fighting style and much more about like blood and and you know what i mean like i don't know i i i, I uh in the end though what is most appealing to me about these movies is I find martial arts beautiful. Mm-hmm. I find the depiction of martial arts in films beautiful and fascinating. 
uh, and that's why I watch them. It's choreography, and I'm sure it's part of my uh, weird sort of uh, frustrated dance urge that actually I'd rather be watching dance, but I don't actually like dance movies, so martial arts (laughs) will have to do. Uh, Liam, finishing off here with The Killer Meteors, uh, Jackie Chan says that he wished it had never been released at all. What is your kind of final opinion? Is this something that you'd recommend to Jackie Chan completists? Or maybe would only Jackie Chan completists be interested in a movie like this? I would I would actually not recommend it to Jackie Chan completists in the sense that you don't have to. If you're trying to like be into Jackie Chan, there's just not much of him here that I'm like, well, you're missing an essential piece if you don't have the killer meteors or whatever. <laughs> uh, however, if you're into a certain kind of fantasy kung fu movie, I don't think this is any worse than a lot of other movies I've seen that are similar to this. It's not as good. Like I'd say something like Five Elements Ninja, right, is an essential movie for me. Like, that's like a must-watch movie. This is not a must-watch at all in any realm of whatever. But if you like these kind of movies, yeah, man, throw it all. I think especially if we were going to do like a martial arts uh, marathon, which I would love to do. I think that would be amazing. Um, I would straight up put this on the list of possibilities because I think it's it would be a fun way to mix up some other stuff. We're going to return to the relationship between Jackie Chan and Jimmy Wang Yu later. Uh, One thing that you'll find is that after uh, Jimmy Wang Yu assists Jackie in getting out of his contract, that that, uh, Jackie feels a lot of uh, pressure to then appear in some of Jimmy's later movies. There's a movie that we'll talk about much later called Fantasy Mission Force, which is just truly bizarre. It was one of those movies that, again, after Jackie Chan launched after uh, in the U.S. after Rumble in the Bronx, I was looking for Jackie Chan movies to rent, and of course they would all be re-released on VHS with starring Jackie Chan. One of those is Fantasy Mission Force, which I, anyone who recognizes that name will recognize that it is a truly bizarre horror action. Just a, Anyway, I can't wait to return to that at some point. But Liam, we're not returning to that yet. We're moving on to 1977. Jackie Chan is still working with Lo Wei. What are we covering on the next episode of We Do Our Own Stunts? Well, Doug, we're going to be covering, uh, as you said, 1977's uh, To Kill With Intrigue, a film <laughs> I know literally nothing about. I So this was another movie that was very commonly available in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, again, on, on uh, not widescreen, dubbed prints. I remember seeing it at the time, but all I can remember about it is the title because I always thought it was a very unusual title, To Kill with Intrigue. Almost sounds like a James Bond film, even though it's a, a historical action drama. So I'm very curious to see it, or we got Jackie Chan back in the lead, uh, hopefully more of a lead than he has in this film, as, as a uh, hero. We'll check it out on the next episode to Kill with Intrigue from 1977. Liam, if people want to check out more episodes of We Do Our Own Stunts or other podcasts involving ourselves and others, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, they can head over to cinepunks.com, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, to check out not just the latest episodes of this show, but a whole family of podcasts, as well as some great writing and even some merch over in the merch section. Uh, they can also find the archive of shows uh, for Cinema Smorgasbord over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. They can also find us on social media. Cinepunks is just Cinepunks, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And Cinema Smorgasbord is on Twitter, Cinema Smorg, just S-M-O-R 
G at Cinema Smorg on Twitter. Uh, we're on Twitter too, there, Doug. I'm at Liam Rules R U L Z. No real reason to follow me there, but if you want to, I guess. Uh, and you can also follow Doug on Twitter. That's Doug underscore Tilly. T-I-L-L-E-Y. That's correct, Liam. Thank you so much. Yeah, if you want to check out Cinema Smorgasbord, go over to cinemasmorgasbord.com, where we have podcasts devoted to such diverse topics as uh, Cal Kane on the show Praising Kane with Vic Diaz on Whatever Happened to Vic Diaz. We have a show called Forgotten Gems about uh, lost and underseen films, as well as Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man Redux and the films of John Singleton, which we're soon going to be clearing up. And recently we launched a a uh, podcast devoted to Alejandro Jodorowsky called Jodorowsky. Check all that out at cinemasmorgasbord.com. And Liam, I think it's time for us to stop talking about Jackie Chan. I'm sick of it. I don't know about you. You've got stuff to do. I've got stuff to do. We need to close up the Jackie Chan bag for another week. We're going to be back again very soon with Low Ways to Kill with Intrigue. Good night, everybody. Night, night. <laughs>